everybody, and welcome to Best Behavior Creative Club, an original design sensory production. I'm Chris McAdoo, your host. I'm Brad Carpenter. And we are here live from the Governor's Count or the Tennessee ECD Conference on Economic Development here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I have the absolute pleasure and honor of being joined by Bob Rolf, our commissioner for Tennessee ECD, a man who uh, has spent years and years cultivating both community and financial relationships across the state to help get us where we are and to help see where we're going. Uh, Bob, if you don't mind, kind of give the good people out there a, uh, a lowdown about who you are, uh, where you're from, and what you're doing. Great. Okay. Well, first of all, Chris, thank you for the opportunity. Man, this is a treat for me to talk about our state, talk about economic development, and talk about the department that I have the privilege of working with, 100 great ECD colleagues every day. And so a little bit about my background. Nashville has been home from birth. I did go away to the college, down to the University of Alabama, but came back to Nashville and spent 18 years in the investment banking business which gave me an appreciation for transactions and outcomes. And after 18 years, that particular investment bank was sold to a Wall Street firm. And then at that point, uh, about a thousand of us all had to go home the same day because they were interested in, in the brokerage side, so the wealth managers. And I was on the investment banking side. And so again, we all departed ways. And then I spent the next probably third, oh gosh, call it 20 years working for small companies and I think the common denominator these were companies that just needed a little shot in the arm whether it was uh, right. a financial shot in the arm whether they needed a different direction and I certainly bring no expertise to the party but nonetheless the job was <laughs> to try to turn these companies around create shareholder value sell them and move on governor Haslam had reached out to me in his early days about joining the state of Tennessee at the time we were in the middle of one of these turnarounds and the timing didn't work out and then he was nice to come back and ask me to join the state and at that time we were in the, the ninth inning if you will of selling a company and I thought you know what at that time I was 57 if there's ever a time to uh, spend a little bit of energy on public service this would be my time right. and so after all these great years of a business career I thought you know what before I you know, hang up those cleats, I would commit the time and the resources and the energy to uh, work in, in our Department of Economic Development, which I have loved. And it's, it's all about transactions, which is great, but we right. spend most of our time, Chris, trying to recruit companies to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And we do that, recruit all over the world. We've got offices in 11 different countries. And so these are ECD colleagues that are on the ground that speak the native tongue that help tell the Tennessee story. We have three markets in Asia, so think of uh, Korea, think of Japan, and think of China. Mm -hmm. And then we cover eight countries in Western Europe. And so we work with that team, and that's about the foreign direct investment, which is about a third of the jobs last year that uh, we, we incented to come to Tennessee came from our foreign direct investment partners. And then we also spend an enormous amount of energy making sure that the companies that already call Tennessee home are happy. And when it comes to expansion, so that phase two, that phase three, we want to be front and center. And I can promise you this, every project today is wildly competitive. And what I mean by that is when a company's looking to either come to your state or expand in your state, they always put out an RFQ and they always put everybody in these, what I'll call them, the bake-offs. Mm -hmm. And so we spend taxpayer resources and incentives 
to uh, convince these companies that Tennessee is a great place, we're open for business, and we're ready to welcome them. Tell me a little bit about the story of Tennessee. So a lot of the international markets, as well as, you know, right here at home, is what are the things that we are really reinforcing okay. about the story of what makes Tennessee, what makes this region great? What are we trying to do? And like you said, it's wildly competitive. So what are the things that we focus on that other folks don't? Well, one of our competitive advantages is just simply being a state that is open for business. And when I say that, a business-friendly state, and when I say that I'm talking about no personal income tax, and when I talk about low union to no union, okay. and I talk about regulations that are very business friendly. So if you create that perception in the market that we truly are a state that is open for business, that word travels. And, and it's small things like, for example, Chris, when it comes to, if a company comes to our state and we're recruiting them, and it's a company that's advanced manufacturing. Well, that could be permitting. That could be an industrial site that needs to be maybe uh, remediated. That could be a site that needs roads. It could be water, sewer. We try to serve as that one-stop shop as opposed to coming through our state, and then we say, well, go down two streets and meet with TDOT, and then go down THEC, and we bring all the resources to bear as that one-stop point team. And I think then you take, you look at what we're doing in education, and this has been a real, real positive and probably a game changer for Tennesseans. And this is this Tennessee promise, this Tennessee reconnect. Yep. And that is something that other states aren't doing yet, but we feel like they will quickly follow. But that's one of the other great Tennessee advantages. You look at the quality of life, you look at our four seasons, and you just look at what I'll call the Tennessee spirit and the volunteerism, and it's, that's all pretty special sauce. It sounds, it is a special sauce that makes a wonderful meal. There you, <laughs> there you go. go. I, I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> I like that. That's a little metaphor right there. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about, I had the pleasure of speaking with Jeremy Barnes from Mitsubishi, mm -hmm. and I know that they are, you know, obviously recently moved into, you know, Williamson County, and they're out there and they're recruiting. So what is the, to kind of follow up on the Tennessee Promise and Tennessee Reconnect, what are some of the successes that you've seen with folks using those programs to get better educated, to get those skills, to get out there and be able to get those better jobs? Right, right. So today's jobs or the jobs of the future look very different, Chris, than what yesterday's jobs uh, look like. And when I speak of advanced manufacturing, the days of being an undertrained employee, the world looks more, it's technology driven and it's automation driven. Now the beauty about a, a robot, they bat a thousand percent, they work seven days a week, there are no health care benefits, and they just, but that's the wave of the future. Now it takes human beings though to program and maintain those robots, so that's what those jobs look like, as opposed to a traditional welding role, now it's robotics. And then it's not, as opposed to being a human welder, although we still have a whole host of great human welders for some, some industries, it's about the automation. So as part of that whole conversation, we want to be ready, which means having the right talent, the right quality of people, and then the right quantity at that moment when that company is ready to relocate. So those are all important. And then separate and apart is our more recent success when it comes to the white-collar jobs. Okay. 
financial services, I think of Amazon, their logistics uh, center of excellence that's going to bring 5,000 jobs here. I think of Alliance Bernstein. Alliance Bernstein is a $550 billion basically financial services company picking up roots in midtown Manhattan, coming to Nashville. And they've had tremendous success with the human capital. And then I th- you just mentioned recently the Mitsubishi mm-hmm. coming to the, So they left California. And we've had a whole host of successes. Now, we are not intentionally poaching on any state, but we are out there selling the Tennessee story, and we've just had a lot of success. And, again, these are these white-collar jobs that require a certain skill set. But at the same time, when you've got a state that's growing, so we've got more human capital coming into our state as opposed to human capital leaving our state, that does put us in a more competitive advantage. I think that is really interesting just from our willingness to support our own people, our willingness to lift up those that are willing to work for that education, for that thing. I do want to dig into, as a lifelong Nashville resident, as a lifelong Tennessean, personally, why does this matter to you? Why do you want to see these folks succeed? Why do you want our our state, our places to be better? Well, I think at the end of the day, I, I would just say this to you. Economic prosperity is very important. Now to create an economic prosperity across a broad spectrum requires hard work, requires some education, requires a great spirit and a can-do attitude and that's important to make sure that we spread that and in my role with the team I get to work with every day that's what we're charged to do which is bring companies to Tennessee and the more jobs we bring to Tennessee the richer our state is going to be, the quality of these new jobs, even in the advanced manufacturing, they look very different than the old assembly line manufacturing of old world that uh, we all remember back in the 70s and 80s where the jobs on those lines were a lot less technical. So again, if we can find great jobs with the prosperity that comes with it, and we're talking about family wage jobs, we're not talking about just simply a job. Well, that's, I mean, it it seems like we are um, in the middle of a lot of opportunity and a lot of growth. So to to sort of kind of (laughs) package everything up, what do we have to look for next? Okay. So how, how, um, what's our next steps, both as as a state, and what should companies be looking to do, both large and small, to both cultivate and compete in this new economy? Okay, well that's great. All right, so here here's an observation. I want to separ- separate the jobs. And when I think of advanced manufacturing, these are the heavy, large CapEx. These are the companies that are truly manufacturing product. That universe looks different than the technology and the financial services and the more white-collar jobs that we're seeing in our larger urban areas. So I want you to think of parallel paths. The reason we don't have a whole host of what I'll call advanced manufacturing in these urban areas is they have to compete from a wage and a labor rate, and so they typically don't show up and say, let me stand up a half a billion dollar manufacturing plant in downtown Nashville. That's just not. So that does allow us to expand the prosperity outside of these large urban markets. And so uh, we, we have 95 counties across this state. Approximately 80 of them are what we'll deem as rural. And so we spend a lot of energy on trying to make sure 
because if you walk around Nashville and you see the 30 cranes and you go down to basically all the contiguous counties, they've yeah. all prospered beyond, I think, our wildest imagination. But again, a lot of our time is spent focusing on the other parts of our state that are more rural. Now, the great news is if you're advanced manufacturing and you're looking to come to the southeast, that's where they typically start. Then that's where the bake-off begins, and that's where they look at the rich assets. And so Tennessee lines up against Alabama, North Carolina, South sure. Carolina, Georgia, and it becomes a little bit of a – well, it does become a bake-off. And then it becomes about economic incentives. Thank goodness our General Assembly and our governor and the leadership is about giving us the tools to be successful. Uh, a couple of years ago, the state of Florida defunded their Department of uh, Commerce. Well, they only stayed defunded for one year because these companies just stopped even looking there because wow. it's enormously expensive to pick up a company and relocate. Sure. So what these incentives are for, Chris, are to help offset some of those what I'll call startup costs. So people would argue, well, gosh, why are you giving a trillion-dollar company incentives? It's very simple. That's part of the competitive landscape. Now, I would argue that in, in Tennessee, we focus on making sure that they are incentive appropriate versus just, you know, we're going to empty the, you know, the war chest and give you everything. <laughs> so we have an enormous set of disciplines that do help us make sure that we're not only fair to Amazon, but we're fa fair to those companies that come to Tennessee and the more rural communities. Well, and to... to I do want to follow up on that because I also think you probably have some, some pretty strong um, feelings about particularly the rural areas of Tennessee or rural areas anywhere that are now um, taking advantage of the abundance of their communities, mm -hmm. of their natural resources, of their quality of life. So what in your experience have you seen, when, when have you seen economic development and tourism and quality of life come together? to, you know, to bring those companies in or to make people's lives well, I'll better. Well, i tell you, the most recent example that I can, uh, I can identify that was a wildly successful story is Nokia Tire. It is a Finnish company, and they manufacture uh, heavy weather tires, and they're probably the 11th largest on the globe. And so they wanted to open up a U.S. manufacturing facility. So they looked... They looked across the U.S., and then they down-selected to the southeast, and then they down-selected Tennessee and one or two other states, and they chose Ray County. Ray mm -hmm. County is one of our Tier 4 least prosperous counties. Wow. They chose Ray County, Dayton, the Scopes Monkey Trial. So there's an opportunity to take some of our great, what I'll call tourism assets, in a more rural part of our state, and... I think uh, we cut the ribbon. We had both the old governor, Governor Haslam, and Governor Lee a couple of weeks ago, and that's about a $350 million investment, and that's going to deliver about 400 very good, high-paying family wage jobs wow. in a Tier 4 distressed uh, community. Yeah. And the great news is that we've already seen so you have a multiplier effect. So for every job created, okay. you have this multiplier effect of – because once you stand up an advanced manufacturing plant, then you have the supplier network. Okay, so that sure. creates. And of course, you've got the construction jobs and, and, and all the supplies around building the facility. But it is an enormously powerful ripple effect. And that's just one more recently that I can talk about because that was 
something that uh, we that was a company we recruited uh, in my early days with uh, the great work of Governor Haslam and again to see it come to fruition and also see the quality of the people that they have recruited to come to work for that company and how they treat them I mean so anyway we're very excited about that now let me say this to you here are some of our challenges we have some of the most beautiful counties with the richest natural assets that are tourism that's part of their DNA and their economy. Uh -huh. The problem is, Chris, if the closest interstate's an hour away, that's typically a manufacturer's third greatest expense. And I'm talking about the cost of trucking all of your raw materials into your plant and then trucking your finished goods out of the plant. That is a real challenge when you're, you know, 70 to 100 miles from the closest interstate. So we have those challenges. Well, what do we do then? We have some other rural development initiatives that are other programs that basically take that community and celebrate. We ask them to do an inventory of what their assets are, and then we try to help them with grants so that we can help them promote their county or their community. Well, we are we are wonderfully familiar and so grateful to be um, involved with some of some of those efforts and initiatives. And we are super grateful that uh, that you've given your time and your talents to the great state of Tennessee and to our little podcast interview yeah. here. Is there anything, you know, uh, uh, parting words that you would like to share about, you know, about Tennessee and about what we've got to look forward to? Well, thank you. Um, well, let me talk about some of the, we'll continue to be successful in winning our share of these large HQ projects that are obviously wrapped around our more urban communities and I think of Nashville being very hot Memphis has had some mm -hmm. great success East Tennessee as well so we're going to continue to focus there and then we're going to focus on again the advanced manufacturing that we're going to help those companies see real, real value in building a plant in one of our rural communities because when Governor Lee was sworn in, the first executive order was, what are we doing for our rural communities? And again, I'm talking about a subset of about 80 counties of the 95 counties that are deemed rural. So we're going to focus in those areas. And I think I tell our guys, at some point, this economy is not going to go, it's not going to grow in perpetuity. And we're 10 years into this incredibly successful run. Right. And at a point, and I can't tell you when, Chris, that there's going to be, the economy's going to shrink. Mm -hmm. And I tell our guys, let's win as much business as we can possibly win. Let's get those companies in the door calling Tennessee home because when the recession does hit, we will have a softer landing because we will have a broader universe of jobs and opportunities and companies to help with a little bit of a softer landing. All right. There's a, a lot more to unpack, and we look forward to speaking with you more. All right. <laughs> Anytime, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Best Behavior Creative Club, a Design Sensory Original production. And I'm your host, Chris McAdoo, and I appreciate everyone for listening in.